Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 377 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, the guru of RedLegNation.com and RedsMinorLeagues.com. It's Doug Gray. How are you, Doug? I'm doing good, Chad. How you doing? Well, doing really well. Loving, loving watching this uh, this Cincinnati Reds baseball team. We are recording this. I'll just go ahead and say right here at the top. We're recording this between games of the uh, the rain-forced doubleheader with the Washington Nationals. The Reds, of course, lost uh, the the first game of this uh, twi-night doubleheader. And uh, they'll play the next game uh, later on, uh, the final game of the National Series. The Reds, since we've talked last, the Reds have lost seven out of nine games they are struggling, and everyone's injured, and we'll get into all that news, but right now, it's a tough stretch here for this club, isn't it? It is, and I mean, I know you just said that you will get into the injury stuff later, but I mean, I just, I, I feel like a lot of the, the struggles, we can just point back to the injuries. I mean, I, I, I really do. I mean, a third of the starting nine is out right now, and the offense is struggling. Yeah, it's uh, the offense is really struggling, and, and you know we had questions about the offense anyway coming into the season based on what we saw last year. But there were some some good signs uh, early on that this uh, offense was going to be better. But now you know you got Votto out, you got Mustakas out, um, and uh, so let's go ahead and talk about this week's big injury news. Of course, Wade Miley and Nick Senzel early in the week were placed on the injured list, and Nick Senzel. Let's just go ahead and dive into into that question because now we find out that um, he's going to have knee surgery and going to be out for somewhere around four to six weeks, evidently. So he's going to have knee surgery on Friday. <sighs> you know, I'm I'm a Nixon Zell guy. I've not I've everyone knows my biases here, <laughs> but oh my goodness, the kid just cannot catch a break at all, and 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 it's starting to be a point where you know you wonder uh, what's the, what's the future here. I mean, it, it really has been one thing after the other. I mean, even when he's not been injured, I mean, he's had non-injury injuries, unfortunately. Um, I mean, he had the battle with vertigo. Last year, he missed half the season with COVID. Um, it, 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 is, it has not been a good, I don't know how to say this, track record, so to speak, as a professional for Nick Senzel, who basically missed no time whatsoever in college at Tennessee. <laughs> I know. Um, it's, it's, it's been just a complete reversal of the script from his college career where he was healthy and played literally every game every year he was there versus what has happened to him, unfortunately, as a professional. Yeah, you know, I uh, I wrote that piece that was supposed to be the cover story in Cincinnati Magazine last year about, about Sinzel. And in the course of, uh, that was my first uh, feature story for the magazine. And, of course, COVID so no opening today, so I got bumped from my first cover story. But um, I'm, I'll cry about that later. I cry about it about three times a week. Um, Understandable. Because clearly COVID, uh, you know, it harmed me worse than anyone else on earth by forcing me not to have a cover story. Or, or maybe I overstated that a little bit. Um but in the course of re- reporting that story, you know, I, t- I talked uh, at length with uh, with Sinzel. You know, I, I did kind of a deep dive into his uh, his college and high school career with his his high school coach and with his family. And, uh, and and what you said is true, and that, that has been my response to everyone who says, you know, he's uh, you know he's he's made a glass, you know, 
um, which is that it's been fluky stuff over and over and over again. Uh, and and then some of it is just not even being made of glass. It's it's COVID. It's um, the uh, the vertigo situation. But we are now seeing in the last uh, couple of years. We are seeing uh, more than the last couple of years. Something you know. Sometimes it's flukes. You know, he, a ball bounces up and, and and breaks his finger. But golly, it seems like just about every every time he makes a play. He's coming up a, a hurt a little bit, and and I don't know. I I don't know what to say. I, it, it really frustrates me because I really thought he was poised, and he was showing signs of uh, of starting to break out a little bit. You know, he he looked awfully good as the Reds' leadoff hitter for the time that he was there. And I thought, boy, him at leadoff and and uh, Winker batting second. That's a that's a dynamite one-two punch. But uh, we just. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe in four to six weeks, we'll see it again. It's just it's just frustrating. That's the only thing I can say about it. Yeah, I mean, let's let's hope that when he comes back, he can stay healthy and I mean, add something to this lineup. And I mean, hopefully, you know, they won't be waiting that long to get something going for the lineup because it just seems right now that it's basically Winker Castellanos and praying for something to happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> but. I mean, you know, David Bell actually spoke about it yesterday when he was telling everybody about, uh, you know, Sinzel about to have surgery. And, you know, he, he kind of just put it out there that, you know, Nick deserves to be healthy with all the work that he's put in to come back from everything that he's unfortunately had to come back from. Um, and I mean, let's let's all just hope that 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 happens for him, because I, I think that it's clear he he helps the team when he's healthy. Um, I mean, he's a. He's a very good center fielder, despite the fact that he's a new center fielder. Um, you know, the, the Reds finally started playing him on the infield just to, you know, I guess make room at times for Tyler Naquin, who's been crushing the ball at times this year. Um, and, you know, so he's, he's a good defender at second base. He's a good defender at third base. He, he's a very useful, quality player to have available. And just unfortunately, he, he just hasn't been available. Yeah, I mean, he's the best athlete on the team. I think we would all agree with that. And and now that David Bell has kind of relented and allowed him to play on the infield some, it just it opens up uh, this, and we've been saying this for years, but it just opens up a whole new set of possibilities for what he could be for this team. He could really help this team, and he is still just 26. Um, but uh, <laughs> you gotta got to stay healthy. I don't know. Where do we play him when he comes back? I mean, you see him as, as a guy that's a – the everyday center fielder, but can also uh, fill in elsewhere? Or is he going to be kind of this uh, uber utility guy now that he's shown that he can actually handle it, uh, moving positions day to day? Any thoughts about I, that? I, I think for the most part, he's going to be the everyday center fielder. Uh, you know, it, it depends on, it probably depends a little bit on what Tyler Naquin does in the timeout for Senzel. I mean, if the guy just goes out there and he just keeps hitting home, you know, two home runs a week, yeah, you're probably going to have to try and find a few other spots to play Nick Senzel every couple of days because you're not going to be able to take Tyler Naquin's bat out of the lineup. Um, but, I mean, if, if we're all being honest, do we really expect Tyler Naquin to keep being a 900-plus OPS bat when he's never been that before? I mean, probably not. I mean, let's, let's hope. Right. Let's hope because that helps. But I, I think that if we're all being honest with ourselves, that's not what we expect to keep happening. No, I mean, I fully expect him to be a very, very useful fourth outfielder. I mean, you know, and that's that's valuable. I, I'll take that. Absolutely. Um, and, and that helps the team. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think some of it may come down to uh, Eugenio Suarez. Or, you know, I said last week that I th- think my prediction was we've seen the last of Suarez at shortstop. But once everybody gets healthy, do the you know does, does David Bell shift him back over to shortstop where he was really, really? R- I love Gino, good vibes only, but he was he was not good. Um, 
at shortstop defensively, and not even to mention his offense. Although he had two hits in the first game of the doubleheader, he's back. Um, so if he if he moves back to shortstop, then you know maybe there's a another spot on the infield uh, for Senzel or somebody. I don't know, depending on who's healthy. We'll see. It, so many moving parts with everybody being injured that you just it's hard. It's just hard to predict any of this. Do you think? Let me ask that question though. Do you think Suarez ever plays shortstop again? I think so. And it's just because if if I, if you look at everybody that's healthy or not healthy, if everybody is healthy, what are your other options? You basically have to choose between benching Jonathan India and Tyler Naquin or playing Suarez at shortstop. And I, I just don't think that they're going to choose to not play Suarez at shortstop um, in favor of benching two guys that they feel are at least part-time you know, four or five times a week players. Maybe like, this the, is... the Reds, the Reds are just—they're—they're in a corner with what they—the way they built the roster, they're in a corner, in my opinion. Well, you know, uh, the way I think about it is that uh, you may be right because if everybody's healthy, you're basically choosing. If if you don't move Suarez back to shortstop, maybe I'm just being cynical because I've watched the Reds for the last you know thirty years, but um, and, and they've made the wrong move a lot of times. Uh, Although you know current management and, and on field and in the front office are certainly much better than we've ever seen uh, in Cincinnati, but uh, ownership excluded. But uh, I just think if you if you don't move him back to shortstop, then you're basically seems to me choosing Kyle Farmer over Jonathan India, which makes I mean I don't care if you love Kyle Farmer, India's hopefully part of your future. It makes no sense. I mean if you're making that choice, send the guy to send India to AAA. Um, so maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack on my prediction about Suarez, but I don't know. I just I, he was so bad. He can't play shortstop. He just he can't play shortstop. I, I would put India at shortstop before I'd put Suarez back at shortstop. And I don't know if India can play, but I do know Suarez can't play it. So I don't know. Yeah, tough I, job. I, I, call. It, it's weird because I, I'm with you. Like I feel like Suarez is probably the fifth option on this roster to play shortstop, but he's gonna be the one that plays shortstop every day. Um, but again, it goes back to they painted themselves in a corner pretty much. So how do they paint themselves in that corner? Um, because their ownership decided not to spend any money to oh, address any any hole that you know a ten year old could see on this roster. Yeah, yeah. I wish we had a shortstop. Well, then it's an abundance of riches all of a sudden offensively, maybe. It might be. Uh, but instead, here we are. Instead, here we are. Although you know, uh, it's not like Jonathan India. He had that hot start, but he's not. Not blown it up, but I don't know, he's kind of rebounded a little late lately. And I, I, don't know, I see something that I've I, I really started to change my mind. Like I, I wasn't sure he was ready because I hadn't seen it, but and his, and his numbers don't look like he's necessarily ready. The more I watch the kid, the more I like him. I, I mean, he, he can he can uh, he's got a glove. Um, you know, he's 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 taking a walk. He's getting on base. Uh, you know, I don't I don't I don't have very many issues with India. I'd like to see him get more opportunities to develop as a player rather than fewer. All right, what are we going to talk about next? Let's talk about Gino. We've been talking about his defense. And we, we have to, it's kind of the elephant in the room. We talk about it every week, you know. Uh, I looked it up uh, dating back to, I, sh- I should, if I weren't lazy, I would pull up the, the tweet that I wrote about it. But I looked up at his numbers at the time, earlier this week that I looked at, it. it was exactly 100 games since opening day of last uh, season. And his numbers were bad. And, you know, 100 games is, you know, it's a it's a sample. You know, it's not a tiny sample anymore. Maybe it's not a, a big enough sample. But he's not been good for a while, and he strikes. He's already struck out sixty. I don't know how many struck out today, but before uh, today's game, sixty five times already this season in uh, 
fewer than 200 at bats. He's too good to keep hitting like this. I don't, I don't understand it. When we were talking, I'm going to talk a little bit about my column in the magazine this week, and we were talking about about ideas for this week's column with my editor. And uh, you know, one of the things we talked about was, well, should we talk about Suarez or Luis Castillo? You know, because they're both uh, vastly underperforming what we would expect. And I said, I mean, I can write about it, but I don't have any answers. I said, I just don't have any answers. Uh, Doug Gray, do you have any answers uh, on on either of those guys, but uh, Suarez in particular? I mean, I don't, I don't really have an answer, but I know what the problem is. I mean, he can't make contact with the ball anymore, and I, I don't know what is causing that. But like, I'm, I'm on Fangraphs right now, and he's not chasing pitches any more than he really has. I mean, his, his chase rate is up a little bit, but I mean, we're talking. Uh, let me do some quick math here. 1.8 pitches he's chasing out of the zone out of 100 more than he was two years ago. So not much. I mean, that's that, that's not that's nothing. If yeah. I didn't tell you that. You wouldn't notice. I mean, you, you people probably say that they feel they notice because he's striking out so much, but it's not. You you would never notice that. Uh, the problem is uh, when he he's when he swings at pitches in the zone, he's making less contact than ever before. That's down three percent from two years ago. Uh, when he makes or when he swings at pitches out of the zone, he's making eleven to fifteen percent less contact than he used to. Um, and he's again, he's not chasing anymore than he used to. But he's swinging and missing a lot more than he used to. Um, that's that's not a good combination. You're right. Yeah, that, that's the reason. But these are publicly available uh, statistics, publicly available data, and presumably the Reds have much better data. And I wonder why there's something going on <laughs> and why they've not been able to correct it. I don't. I don't believe it's because Suarez hasn't been put in the work to try to correct it. I, uh, he's he's got, had that reputation of you know being a hard worker. Uh, I can't. I can't believe there. There's not really been even even any signs that he's gonna shift. I, I think that chase for 50 home runs maybe, and the idea of the launch angle and trying to. Well, I mean, but uh, let me let me just jump in here real quick. What's what what happened before the start of the 2020 season? Uh, that's that's the next thing I want to talk about. Yes, go ahead and say it. That could he be hurt it. his shoulder. Yeah, he hurt his shoulder, and he over the last two seasons since then, he's really struggled to put the bat on the ball. I mean, again, we're, we're just we're just speculating. We have no idea, but we can point directly at when everything started going south with him making contact with the baseball. It's when he jumped in that pool and hurt his shoulder. When he hurt his shoulder. Never swim is the uh, lesson to be learned here. Unless you're in the water, then swim. But get out. <laughs> right, swim until you can get out uh, and not have to swim anymore. Yes, that's a very good advice. It's the first uh, good advice you've ever given on this podcast, though, Gray. It's it's about time, right? <laughs> it is about time. So Suarez, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's I, I wish I had a better answer, and that's what I that's what I told my editor. I just I don't I don't know. Um, again, he's he's just twenty nine. It's not like he's you know thirty seven and beginning to decline. I mean, maybe he's uh, maybe he's beginning some something a bit decline, but this is not. He's completely off the table. His OPS is five eighty six. Yeah, that's not good, Chad. Oh, that's not good. There are there are there are superstars who slug more than that. <laughs> I know, right? Suarez used to be one of those one of those guys, close to that anyway. Um, all right. So uh, Wade Miley, I mentioned as well. He uh, left foot sprain, so presumably going to be back uh, going to be back soon. But while he was out, the Reds had to you know do some maneuvering to bring some uh, Yahoo's nobody's ever heard of onto the uh, on the roster. But what really might have been the uh, 
the, the, the fallout from Wade Miley getting injured is that the Reds were forced to give Jeff Hoffman at least another start or two. And um, so Jeff Hoffman, though, in his uh, last night, in the, the first half of this you know, rain split game, uh, came out because of injury. He is uh, to his uh, throwing shoulder, I believe. Uh, although I, I'm not sure. I need to check the the transactions. I think he was actually placed on the 10 day injured list with an inflamed ERA. Um, <laughs> so uh, is is Jeff Hoffman? The question that everyone wants to know is Jeff Hoffman ever going to start another game for the Cincinnati Reds? Because I don't have anything against the guy. I, I don't know him. I have no reason to dislike the guy. I think he's trying as hard as he can to to to, to be good. Huh. Um, I can't watch him start another game. But he's just not a good starting pitcher. <laughs> he's just he's just not. Um, we kind of had that discussion on, on the Twitters uh, last night, uh, and and you make a reasonable point, you know, that uh, I try him in the bullpen before you dump him completely. But what are your thoughts on Jeff Hoffman? Is he going to start another game? I'd be surprised. Um, he's got, they actually, it wasn't an inflamed ERA, even though, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure that there are some people out there that are going to claim that, uh, you know, they're, they're just trying to find something to buy some time with Jeff Hoffman. Um, but he, he's got a, a right shoulder impingement. Um, I think that he's probably going to be on the, this is just me speculating, but I'd, I'd assume that with a, a shoulder impingement, you're going to be on the injured list for more than 10 days. So that means somebody else is going to get the chance. Um, right now, it's uh, going to be Vladimir Gutierrez. Yeah, let's uh, talk about uh, Vladimir Gutierrez. Going to be called up uh, to start uh, on Friday's game, uh, evidently, from uh, from Louisville. Let, give everyone a primer on Vladimir Gutierrez. Well, you know, two years ago, he got his brains absolutely beat in in AAA. That was the year, if you aren't familiar, that AAA used the Major League Baseball that was basically a, a Super Bowl. Uh, the entire league in triple a both leagues set new home run record like almost every team in the league broke the previous all-time home run record for a team in the league um it was the, the baseball was just juiced to the gills and everybody just destroyed it um and vladimir gutierrez did not perform well i he, he didn't have a single month until august with his era under six uh for the season his era was over six but um he you know, he, he took it in stride, I guess, and, you know, he, he started working on things. And one of the things that he he worked on and has been working on is he changed his arm slot to try and get more movement, on more rise on his fastball. Um, and it, it's, it's paid off, but it's been interesting, too, because he's throwing a little bit harder than he used to. Like, he would always touch 97, 98 every so often, um, but he would work more 91, 94. Well, now he's throwing 93 to 96 and still touching 97, 98. But he's doing that a little bit more consistently. Um, so he's got a very different fastball now than he did two years ago when he was pitching consistently in AAA. Um, but you know that's not really where, at least in the past, he's kind of made or been broken um, by hitters. He's, he's a really good secondary pitch guy. It's always been the fastball that people question with him. Everybody's always loved the secondary stuff. He's got a slider, curveball, changeup. All are very good secondary pitches. Um, you know, with the new fastball, I mean, it's only been a couple of starts, but uh, I, I think that if that's a pitch that's really going to work for him, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, you can really look forward to going out every fifth day. And, I mean, I again, no, no disrespect to Jeff Hoffman, but outperforming Jeff Hoffman at the very least. Well, 
<laughs> or first of all, a couple things I want to say there. Um, for those of you that don't uh, remember, Gutierrez was, uh, he's 25. He was signed, uh, get ready to be 26 uh, by the end of the season, uh, I guess. Um, signed out of Cuba. And the Reds have had, you know, pretty exceptional success signing pitchers out of Cuba, frankly. Uh, they've gotten a lot of uh, bang for their buck over the years uh, when we're talking about Aroldis Chapman and uh, Roselle Iglesias, who they gave away for free. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to watch Gutierrez. Uh, the other thing is you say better than, than Jeff Hoffman. And that brings to mind something I want to pose, If, if, if a question I wanted to pose. If before the season, if we'd gotten, we'd said, all right, we're, we're near the end of May. We're almost to June. And Jeff Hoffman has been better than Luis Castillo so far. Would we have been over the moon <laughs> about that? I mean, probably. And it's, just because I feel like we would, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, something about us being out, out of our minds, out in space. I don't It was bad. I'm terrible at words. Um, yeah, no, that's crazy talk, Chad. Um before we, before, they would have they would have drug tested us. <laughs> right, exactly. Before we get to Castillo, what do we expect out of Gutierrez? I mean, is this is this is he, does he have a chance of sticking now, or is he uh, you know going to be on the on the Louisville uh, back and forth uh, a little bit when the Reds need to start? Do you, do you feel like? And also, why in his picture on Baseball Reference uh, is uh, why are his eyes closed? I, I, can't, I can't answer the last one. I, I, I don't know. Uh, he he blinked when the flash went off. That's, he really did. Go look at it. His eyes are. Completely tells. Anyway, does he have a chance to stick here? What do you think? I mean, what's your what's your gut feeling? I know we don't know this. I mean, here here's where things get interesting, Chad. You know, you mentioned Wade Miley being eligible to come off the the injured list here soon. He's eligible to come off on Sunday, and the Reds are hoping that he can because if he can come off, he can pitch on Sunday. If he can't pitch on Sunday, then the Reds have to make another roster move to bring up another starting pitcher. If Wade Miley can pitch on Sunday then Vladimir Gutierrez can just slide into Jeff Hoffman's spot in the rotation. And I think that that move is something that would actually give Gutierrez a chance to actually stick rather than kind of be on that back-and-forth train uh, between Cincinnati and Louisville. Uh, and so I, mean, I, I think that that would play into Gutierrez's favor. Now, obviously, you, you never know how a guy's going to pitch in the big leagues, especially in their debut until they get out there and do it. Uh, some guys just they, – they, it takes them a second to kind of get their feet under them in their debut – and as a starting pitcher, sometimes that's not really uh, a good thing because, you know, the big leaguers, big leaguers can hit. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not like a position guy where you kind of you can kind of take a deep breath if you're not getting the ball hit right at you and you're not hitting leadoff. You can kind of take things in. As a starting pitcher, you got to get out there pretty quick, and it's all on your shoulders right away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, from everything that I've seen, I, I, I think that he can be a big league pitcher that can stay up. Um, you know, he, he's got enough stuff that it'll work. Um, the question just kind of is, are we looking at more of a guy who's a, a number four, number five in this rotation, or can he be something better? And, you know, I, as I said earlier, you know, the, the big question has kind of been how does that, how does that fastball play against big leaguers? Um, and, you know, the, the changes he's made, we've only seen it for a handful of innings this year against guys that are in AAA. They're not big league hitters, so we, we don't really have a good barometer of how that is yet. Um, and so that, that that's kind of the... I think that one, I guess, leaves me a little bit of hesitation to say he's better than a guy who's going to be at the back end of your rotation. Um, but I, I do think that if nothing else, he can be a guy who can, you know, be at the back end of your rotation and keep you in most of the games he's going to pitch. I hope he's still using those performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, I, I don't. No, I do. It'll help him. It will enhance his performance. Don't you understand the term? I mean, I understand the term, Chad. 
but they test for those things and yeah, he but, would get suspended for a long time and then you'd have to go back to Jeff Hoffman as your starter. No, we'd have to go to someone else. That I'm, I'm trying to decide whether I want to pick a fight with you on, on who okay. it should be. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Here, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I put that together. I'm evil. Um, yeah, Gutierrez, for those of you that don't know, he did serve an 80-game suspension for uh, testing positive for a performance-enhancing drug uh, last year, two years ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, it- he tested positive last spring, and then he served because there wasn't really a minor right. league season. He couldn't even begin serving it until the major league season started, and they only gave him credit for the 60 games and then the playoff games. And then so he had to finish serving 18 games this year, uh, and so he actually would not have been eligible to pitch for the Reds until I think like April 20th or something like that. Um, Man, the Reds, so, the Reds yeah. gave him nearly $5 million when when they signed him in 2016. You can buy a lot of performance-enhancing drugs for that amount. I encourage yeah, him to do that. Instead, he bought a sweet car. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what was it, like a RAV4 or something? Yes, it was an orange RAV4. Oh, man, that is sweet. Dare to dream one day. One day, if I make enough money on this uh, on this podcast. All right, so, uh, again, uh, the second elephant in the room, we've already talked about Suarez, uh, and we've you know hinted at, at Luis Castillo. It looked, in his next-to-last start, like Castillo was... Coming around a little bit, and then uh, not so much. One seven, seven point six one ERA at this point. Now, his 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 fielding independent pitching, four point seven seven. So maybe it's not as bad, but it looks bad when I watch him. I don't know. Uh, what are we? You any thoughts about Castillo? I mean, it, it hasn't been fun to watch, unfortunately. Um, I, I'm with you in the sense that I don't think it's nearly as bad. Um, as you know, the the numbers look, but at the same time, you can't take those numbers. Like those runs that he gave up, they're real runs. Like we can't exactly. just pretend that you know his his fielding independent pitching ERA is actually what happened. Like those those runs actually scored against Luis Castillo and the Reds and led to losses. So, I mean, it it is what it is. Now those numbers may suggest that if he continues pitching the same way, that he'll perform better in terms of ERA moving forward. But still not be, Castillo. That, that, that would be great in the sense that it's better than what it has been. But as you said, you know, that's still not the Luis Castillo we expected, who I think that if we asked 100 people, 90 of them would say his ERA would be three and a half or lower, right? Sure. And it's, Survey says. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's it's not anywhere near. You could have it, and it wouldn't be three and a half right now. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. You know, I, mean, I, I can't remember who it was, um, but somebody – had Derek Johnson on. I, I'm pretty sure they was on the MLB Network, and he had said something about you know he he feels like he's failed Luis Castillo this year. He's also failed Jeff Hoffman. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, there's there's a little bit of a difference. Maybe we'll blame Hoffman uh, on that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I keep... Yeah. The, the track records between Hoffman and Castillo are a little bit different as to the expectations. I, I will not listen to any criticism of Derek Johnson. Frankly, I mean, I, I, I I'm. So happy that the Reds need to re-sign him uh, quickly because I think his contract, as I understand, his contract's gonna be up soon. They need to keep him around. I love that guy. I think he's the real deal. But yeah, it's a little bit strange how they can't pinpoint what's going on with uh, with Castillo. And uh, you know, I think about uh, and also Amir Garrett. You know, he, he credited Wade Miley with with fixing him. You know, um, Derek Johnson needs to do his job. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. I, you know, un- unfortunately, Chad, I've actually seen people 
saying that with earnest. Like they, they, there are actually people out there who are upset at the job Derek Johnson has done this year, and I just, I, I don't know what to say to those kinds of people. Oh my but, gosh, I would sign Derek Johnson to a lifetime contract right now, but I would okay. prefer him to. Derek Johnson's fix. agent, if you are listening, <laughs> All right. Chad Dotson is willing to pay lots of money to sign Derek Johnson for the rest of his life. Yes, to be a co-host on the podcast, I mean. Well, yeah, as long as you're paying him well enough. Yeah, I mean, the, ultimately, though, uh, pinning on Derek Johnson, I don't know who you pin it on, Castillo, I guess. Um, but something's got to give. I mean, if, if this team, the Reds are not completely out of the race just yet, all right? They are, what, five games under five hundred at this point, which is not good. That's a hole they got to dig out of. But come on, you know, a um, lot of season left to play. Not giving up on this team by any stretch of the imagination. But if this team is going to be anything, Luis Castillo has to be Luis Castillo. I mean, that's just a... we got to get people healthy. We already talked about that. But this team cannot be who it's going to be without Luis Castillo. I mean, if you think about it from last year's team, we will have essentially lost two aces off the team if Castillo it keeps pitching like he's pitching. Uh, you know, Bauer and, and Castillo both were, were fantastic last year. So... Um, it's just frustrating, and I wish I had some answers again. And, and we've talked a lot about two players that I just don't really have any answers. Uh, but yikes, I did not. This is one I didn't see coming. Even though pitching is hard, uh, this is one. I, Castillo has just been so, you know, so effective. So he controls the game so well from the from the mound when he's when he's on, and. And frankly, as likable a guy, you know, he, he he's probably up there with uh, you know Suarez and, and, and Winker and, and Votto in terms of guys that you just you, know, you just gotta love. It's frustrating, and I'm sure it's frustrating for him as well. But uh, I, I think if you if you're a betting man, and I'm not, but if you are, you gotta bet that he's gonna be a lot better going forward. I mean, you gotta bet that he's gonna return to being Luis Castillo at some point, right? Maybe. I mean, I would say yes because as far as we can tell, there's no injury they're you yeah, know, he's throwing hard they've they've they basically said you know they know what the problem is and they're working on fixing it which if it were an injury then there's not really something you would that's not that's not something you would say it, it it's something that's mechanical it would it would seem um now i'm not Derek johnson so i don't know i don't know what that is that they're working on and they're not exactly being specific with it which is totally fine it's you know, maybe it's something that, you know, would they don't want the other teams to know about because it would give them more information to do something with. Um, but, I mean, it's he's been so good for so long that it, it just doesn't make sense that you would you would expect him to continue being not just bad, but among the worst pitchers in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I could handle him being average. <laughs> He's been among the worst pitchers in baseball. Ugh. All right, well, I, I'm, I'm done. He's going to be better. He's Luis Castillo. He's amazing. Can we uh, talk about one more thing before we do a little bit of uh, viewer mail? There's some, some good questions uh, in viewer mail that will get us into some more Reds topics, but we've got to talk about one other thing that happened this week. Uh, you've heard of this company uh, that makes uh, Major League Baseball's uh, uh, caps called New Era. I have heard of this company, yes. Uh, you know, in general, I'm a, I'm a fan of New Era. Um, they have that, uh, what's that one uh, brand of, uh, what that one line of caps that I like a lot? What is it called? That, I don't know. 46 or something. I don't know. They got a good line of caps. I bought several. My wife gets mad at me because I keep buying them. So <laughs> they came out this week with a line of, of new caps that I think are supposed to 
supposed to celebrate, you know, the the things that are that are unique about each baseball market, each team's market, and the the they're all garbage. They're all a disaster for every team. And I think they've actually pulled the line of caps off their website. I heard, but yes, yes, they did. Yeah, and and shout out to Steve Thomas uh, at t h o m s t m i on Twitter who asked us to speak about this utter abomination on this week's uh, podcast. Because we have to talk about it. It is a complete disaster. A com- now, let me let me try to describe it. And, and Doug, if you can uh, can help me describe it, uh, feel free to jump in. But on the front, it has uh, the five one three. Okay, so no, that's fine. That's good. You know the, the area code. Um, now, of course, if you looked at some of the other teams, Kansas City's uh, cap, they had a bunch of area codes, and none of them included the Kansas City. They were all in Kansas. None in Missouri, where Kansas City actually is. Um, Pittsburgh didn't even have an area code, evidently. But you know, it's Pittsburgh, so that's probably. I mean, I, I, I saw a funny tweet where it was like, oh, "Today I learned that Pittsburgh doesn't have telephones." <laughs> well, that's actually that, that was good. Have you met anyone from Pittsburgh? That, that may be true. I, I have not met anyone from Pittsburgh. If anyone is listening from Pittsburgh, can you, uh, you know, get a hold of me or Chad and let us know? Do you have telephones in Pittsburgh? I'm sure they're listening uh, to this uh, podcast. Think about going to Pittsburgh this weekend. You think that's a bad idea, Doug Gray? I mean, I've never seen that you, park. I mean, only oh gosh, it's beautiful. I mean, I've but seen it. I've walked if, around if, it, but they weren't if playing. If you need to be in contact with the outside world, and you don't know smoke signals, then maybe it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm I'm going somewhere this week. I don't know where. Um, fully vaccinated, baby. I'm going somewhere. So, um, anyway, let's continue with this cap. On the other side of the Reds logo on the front of the cap is uh, a marijuana leaf. <laughs> Close. Oh no, it's, it's, that's not what it is. It's, it's actually a buckeye leaf. It is. Yeah, it's it's. Gosh, it's so bad. On the back, it has uh, you know the uh, the outline of the state of Ohio. Okay, whatever. And then, uh, Trent Rosecrans, the athletic, they have. Uh, here's how he described it, which I thought was a pretty good description. On the other side, on the on the back, um, clip art of what I assume is chili but from people who have never seen Cincinnati chili. <laughs> and what am I? That's accurate. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then one of my uh, uh, good for, uh, followers, one of my friends, uh, Mark at MH Fight on Twitter, <laughs> says it's, it looks like a bowl of oatmeal with a jalapeno on it. So from now on, Cincinnati chili is going to be called jalapeno oatmeal. We have to, we have to make this happen. I, mean, uh, I I can't do that, Chad. I live in Cincinnati. They will hurt me. <laughs> Doug, you can but, try it though. You you live a little bit further away. True. They may not come after you with pitchforks and. I mean, I, I no, I can't do it. Well, I suggested it on on Twitter, and uh, Camp Washington Chili actually liked the the tweet. So I don't know if they're actually going to add that to their menu, but uh, we'll ha- jalapeno oatmeal. Doug, what about this? <laughs> is the biggest disaster? I mean, it's 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 so hilarious how big a disaster it is, isn't it? I, I, they. I mean, I they they had to have just hired someone who has never been anywhere in this country before to do this, and just kind of threw like some weird word cloud out there for each city that they were supposed to work with. I just don't under like the, no single fan base thought that their hat was good. Every single fan base said this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen in our lives. What the heck is this? Why is this here? What is happening? Some twenty-year-old just googled stuff about each city and created these. Uh, yes, and- but I'm also convinced that like 
English wasn't their first language. <laughs> so, like, there were some things lost in translation when they used Google Translate. Like, right. you know, like when you use Google Translate to go from Spanish to English, and I do it a lot with baseball articles during the off season uh, because I don't speak well enough Spanish to quite understand all of the things that I need to because I'm terrible at my job and I have not learned Spanish yet, um, or at least to the extent that I should. And, like, home run translates to quadrangular. And it just always cracks me up whenever I see that because I'm like, that's not a real word. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, outfielders are called gardeners in Google Translate. Ooh, well, like, I no, can... that's, that's not what it is. But, you know, th- there had to be some sort of weird thing going on like that because there are so many things that just don't, they don't make sense for anybody who has ever been to any city, much less a city of a major league baseball team. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. There's no possible way that I – mean, how did these get approved? How did anyone look at any of these and be like, yeah, this works? Yeah, New Era is a, you know, a, a, a successful corporation. How did this go through the, you know, whatever lines of, uh, you know, uh, approval it needs to go to to actually be announced publicly? I mean, it, oh, it's great. I love it. The, the, what, let me tell you what the worst part, though, is of the of the Reds cap. That our, that our friend Coop can't get a hat? <laughs> no, Coop does not deserve a cap. That's, that's true. You're yeah. right. I'm going to get him a Red Leg Nation radio cap, though. There you go. Um... The worst part about this hat, to me by far, is that on, I think on the right side of the cap, they have a 1990 World Series logo. Did you see that? I did. And that makes me cry. It hurts, doesn't it? Because that's more than three decades ago, and that's what we're celebrating about the Cincinnati Reds on this cap. That and jalapeno oatmeal. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We got to move on. Jalapeno. Yes, let's let, let, let's take some questions. Let's take some questions from viewers, and we'll see if any of these questions have anything to do with jalapeno oatmeal. All right, first question comes from Matt Lacron. Matt Lacron's question is this: Again, these questions come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. First of all, where you too can support the podcast, join our, our discussion on our Slack channel, and we're having a really good time. You can join the family and. Uh, Get a position on the on the beer league softball team. Do it now. I'm ordering you. Those of you who've been hesitant, do it now. Malacron asks thoughts on Blastianos. I like that. That's, that's he's actually talking about Nick Castellanos, and he intentionally misspelled it. Did you notice that? I mean, I, I did. Blasti- he used he, he used a B. Oh, exactly. Thoughts on Blastianos' trade value with his contract having the opt out. Also. Alex Bandino was basically our ace. Okay, first of all, second question first. Alex Bandino is the ace of this team. <laughs> yeah, what, what, do you, what do you mean basically? <laughs> I would give him the. I would give him Wade Malley's spot or Jeff Hoffman's spot. I love watching the, the knuckleball. But Castellanos, that's something everybody. I get so many people, and you probably do too, uh, dropping into my mentions saying, "Got to trade this guy. Got to trade this guy." And so that's the question. Thoughts on his trade bay with his contract having the opt out? And, and my answer is. Don't trade him. He's a good baseball player. You know, I know there's this desire to get something for him in case he leaves, but gosh, the Reds need good baseball players. and His trade value is probably the highest that it's been since he's been a Red, but man, I don't I don't trade him. What are your thoughts? I've got a lot of thoughts on this. I had this conversation with someone else very recently, and for me, it comes down to a few things. One, let's, let's say they trade him. They're going to save $7 million, $6 million, depending on exactly when they were to trade him. So from an ownership standpoint, that's going to feel great. And that's, that's, that's 
tough for us as fans to think about because we don't care how much money the owner makes or doesn't make. We want to see winning baseball. Or, in some cases, we want to see moves made that will, in theory, help you win in the future. Um, but from the ownership standpoint, that saved money is of value. Um, but what kind of prospect are you going to get back for two months of Nick Castellanos? Teams have basically stopped trading top-tier prospects for almost anybody, much less guys that are on what they believe to be rental contracts. Like You're, you're not getting some team's top three or four prospect, much less multiple prospects, for a guy who's going to be there for two months. It's not happening anymore. The game has changed. That doesn't exist. Teams don't do it. So what kind of prospect are you going to get back for him? Probably not a good one. Um, and if it is somebody that has some upside, it's probably somebody who's four or five years away and who's 18 years old right now, who is a project rather than a prospect. Um, if you keep him and he opts out, you can make a qualifying offer. He'll turn it down because he doesn't want to play here. He thinks he can get a better contract than what he's owed the rest of his two years if he doesn't opt out. And you get, you know, a, a first-round draft pick for him. Now, that's going to lead to a better prospect. It is going to cost the team some money, probably, let's let's call it $2 million to sign this player next July. Is that better than trading him for a lesser prospect who may be, quote-unquote, ready a little bit sooner and in your system a little bit sooner and not having Nick Castellanos for the final two months of the season? I don't think it is. I'd keep him either way. Um, but it's, it's, it's not – I don't think that it's necessarily only for baseball reasons that we're going to be discussing this because, you know, whether we want to believe them or not, all of these owners are crying poor about how much money they've lost. And if the Reds can get somebody to take on 6 or $7 million of Nick Castellanos' uh, contract the rest of this year, it wouldn't surprise me if Bob Castellini said, well, you know, the Reds are, you know, six games out of it on, you know, July 15th or whatever day it is in the middle of July. And he says, okay, it, it's not happening this year. I'm going to take the money saved. Get what you can get. The problem is that... Uh... Castellini has a uh, track record of not wanting to trade guys for quote-unquote prospects. He wants to trade for guys that are close to the big leagues, which is a, has always been a disaster. But my, my thought on this is just this: the reason I keep getting this question on Twitter about uh, Castellanos, uh, you know, should we trade him, is because there we have been conditioned. And I'm not talking about Matt uh, LeCron's question here because um, he's demonstrated to us that he's a, sort of a thoughtful guy about baseball, but. A lot of people, I think, have been conditioned by the Reds to believe that we can't, we have to always sell our best players. You know, Chad, I don't think it's just the Reds. I think that it's pretty much anybody who doesn't root for a team in Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, or New York. It, it, it really does just seem that everybody else has the mindset that you can't just have a continual winner. You have to rebuild and go for it in a two or three year window and then tear it down and do it all over again. This leads me to, yeah, I think you're right. This leads me to something I wanted to talk about today, but we're not going to have time. Um, I would ask you to go to CincinnatiMagazine.com and read my, my column for this week um, because I'm a shameless promoter. That's just me. But um, it talks a little bit about why Bob Castellini and other major league owners don't have any incentive to try to win necessarily. 
um, they're going to make money either way. You know, uh, as, I, as I noted in the piece, if I can find it here, uh, eight years ago, the Reds last had a winning record in a full season. Eight years ago. At that time, the franchise was valued at $546 million. They've been straight garbage for most of a decade. And now they're worth $1.085 billion. It's a good return on your investment. Yeah. Value nearly doubled, even though they're a complete dumpster fire during that, that eight-year span. So, uh, because there's no incentive. There's no incentive to try to win. And go read it, because I compared it to uh, sports in, in, in Europe and how there's just different incentives for owners over there. And we're not going to get into it uh, much here. But I, I do thought think it was uh, something. I mean, I've gotten some you know criticism and some feedback, and a lot of people liked it. But uh, go read it and tell me what you think about it. But let's move on, because with the... And rather than talking about that question, why, and the headline on that uh, column was why the Reds don't love you back, rather than that, I've got a more important question that we need to uh, discuss. And this question comes from Joe Farsing. The question is this. Who is the best Muppet, and why is it Ralph? Who is the best Muppet, and why is it Ralph? I'll let you take this one, Chad. All right, because I have some thoughts. Uh, my first thought was, you know, my favorite growing up, for whatever reason, was uh, Sam the Eagle. He's great. Uh, Beaker. Everybody loves Beaker, right? I think so. Never a Fozzie Bear guy. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, I don't, I'm not putting him in that conversation. Animal. You know, crazy drummer. But the correct answer here, Ralph is a, is a contender. I'll, I'll, he's, he's inner circle. But the correct answer, obviously, Swedish chef. It's a Swedish chef. Kyle Kapler asks... If there were two players on this year's team that would have a Dave Matthews band and a Mighty Mighty Boss Tones song as their walk-up songs, who would they be? Also, there was a player on the 2007 Reds who walked up to Ant's marching. Fabulous Dave Matthews band tune. Can you guess who? So, um, everybody likes to make fun of me for liking Dave Matthews, and that's fine. I'll accept it. <laughs> Do they make you happy, Chad? Oh, they make me happy. That's all that matters. I like going to their shows. I've got tickets to several shows already this summer. Um, you. yeah. So anyway, uh, but so, uh, let's, let's ask the, the second question first. There was a player on the 2007 Reds who walked up to ants marching. I'm looking at the 2007 Reds roster here. So it's probably not, uh, Alex Gonzalez or Edwin Encarnacion or Brandon Phillips or junior or Dunn uh, or Hamilton, Josh Hamilton. I don't think there's any of those. I'm going Scott Hatterberg. It's either Scott Hatterberg or David Ross. They both seem like they like dad rock. I'll, I'll go David Ross. That let's sounds go. great. Yeah, let's go David Ross. Screw David Ross. He's a cub. I hope it's not him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, if there are two players in this year's teams that would have a Dave Matthews band and Mighty Mighty Ballstones song, uh, I know nothing about the Mighty Mighty Ballstones, but Dave Matthews' uh, walk-up song, that's obviously going to be Wade Miley. Mighty Mighty Ballstones, uh, Joey Votto. I don't know. I'm going to go with Max Schrock. Oh, okay. Mighty Ballstones. There you go. Max Schrock. Inner Circle. Obscure former Reds someday. Max Schrock. Richard Stoutard has a question for us. Following up on uh, pitching and how the domination by pitching will soon make a 320 hitter a thing not often seen. In the past history of baseball, when pitching became uh, dominant, rules were changed to give hitters some advantages. Will this happen in the next few years? And if so, what changes may happen? You know, I listened to uh, the uh, Theo Epstein former Cubs, former Red Sox general manager. I listened to him on uh, the Bill Simmons podcast this week. And uh, he's working for Major League Baseball now. 
And, and he says he'd like to get back into the GM game at some point. So I know a team that's been around a long time that he could bring back to uh, respectability like he did with the, the Red Sox and the Cubs. Um, You're talking about the Phillies, right? The, no. Oh. Pirates. Um, so, and he talked a lot about how it's his kind of role within baseball now to push. And we've seen some things in the minor leagues where they're changing rules, testing things out. He, it's, it's his job to kind of push things to try to figure out how to get the competitive advantage back. Because he basically says the game is boring now. It's not fun to watch. And, you know, this is a guy that's employed by Major League Baseball that says this. So I think some changes will happen. But, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly where where that's going to land. You know, they're testing out moving the moving the mound back. They're testing out uh, all kinds of things. Uh, Doug, what are, you, uh, what are your thoughts? He says, see, we, I want more. Uh, he says, people constantly say in all the, the polls they do, we want more doubles, more triples, and more stolen bases. That's their favorite things that they want to see in games. And so, I don't know. What do you think, Doug? Any thoughts on that? And I think people that are saying they want to see more stolen bases are out of their mind. Like, it, baseball's a TV game now, and you don't see, st- like, stolen bases aren't, an exciting thing to watch unfold because you don't get to see it unfold. You get to see the last half a second when the the fielder receives the throw from the catcher. I yeah, don't know. That's, yeah, but, but it's but, making yeah. something happen. It's, it's an aggressive play, I think, here. Uh, sure. That's what but, people want to yeah. see. They don't want to see people just standing around. No. I, I, don't, I don't know what you do in terms of i mean you're not getting, you're not getting back first off the 320 hitter was never really a thing uh, post 1925 like it just yeah there were more of them but you're still there were 3 of them every year um, but what what do you how do you make pitchers not be as good you know p- pitchers throw harder now than ever but they throw less fastballs now than ever too the breaking ball is what has changed the game just as much as the fastball well, you move the mound back, yeah, guys won't throw as hard, but the breaking ball is going to break a lot more. But the fastball is going to move a lot more. But you got more uh, time to you got more time to react to it too. Yeah, I, I think that really that's the one change I would I think would work. Well, I also think that that's going to bring about many arm injuries, and it's just that's going to make the pitching. It, I, I think that would counterbalance it way too much because then you're going to have a bunch of guys that shouldn't be in the major leagues pitching, which we're we're kind of seeing right now, anyways. Uh, because injuries are up, I think it was 30% over the same time this year, or the same point in this season as they were in 2019. Uh, yeah, that that 60 game season really, really screwed things up in the middle there. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean they're 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 trying to limit the shift uh, in in Double A. Um, I I don't think we've got enough data to really know if it's working or not because the minor league season didn't start until May 4th, so we're we're just now entering the third week of the season. Um, but I, I, I don't know if there's an actual good answer. I feel that everything that they're trying kind of has that, you know, is, is this going to work out the way that we think, or are there other things that are popping up that we don't know about yet? And I, I think that that's kind of thing, you know, we hear about, you know, get, getting the robot umpire, you know, to, to, to adjust the strike zone, which I think would help. I think that if we were to shrink the strike zone, in essence, that would make it easier to hit strikes. But are we going to see a lot more walks, which kind of defeats the purpose of you know having more action in the game? We might just see a bunch more walks and slowing the game down in a different way. I, I don't I don't really know what the answer is. I think that it's just a matter of right now pitchers are too good, and the hitters have not been able to adjust as a whole enough. That's why I'm eager to see this uh, you know kind of uh, test of moving the mound back. Um, 
more injuries? I don't know. I mean, how, how can you get more? Uh, these guys are trying going max effort all the time. Maybe that'll force people to move it back. Maybe it'll force them not to go max effort and try to learn to pitch again rather than just trying to throw it by somebody. I don't know. Um, well, I, I'm just going to drop in here right now and say that I, ke- I hear people say that guys need to learn how to pitch again. Uh, they pitch better now than ever. Right, but I'm saying they're going to have to— Guys know how to pitch. It's just everybody is so much better that it doesn't feel that way. Everybody's not better. The batters aren't better. Yeah, but I said they they know how to pitch better. And the batters are better. The batters are way better, but so are the pitchers. The results aren't aren't better. But if you took any player that's playing right now and let them face 86-mile-per-hour fastball guy in 1987 on AstroTurf, Oh my God, he'd be freaking Eric Davis. Sure, you need to get back down to you know ninety three, ninety four. The the balance has has tilted far too much in favor of the of the pitchers. And if if the baseball doesn't doesn't figure out some way to address that, and I don't have all the answers either, but I'm telling you, this game is done. Uh, oh, at, I I don't disagree. the The problem is I I don't know what you can do. I I, I really don't think there's a good answer. Oh, there's got to be an answer. There's got to be an answer. You, 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 everything that is happening, it's because the advantage is there for the pitcher. We figured things out in pitching that just make it harder to hit everything. And unless you can tell pitchers, hey, you're not allowed to throw this hard anymore, or you're not allowed to throw the cut fastball anymore, or you find a way to change the baseball so they can't spin it as well which might have effects on how well you can hit. I, I still believe moving the mound back absolutely changed all those things because that that you've hit her a little extra time, and that 100-mile-per-hour fastball is going to be a 96, 95-mile-per-hour fastball by the time it yeah, gets but, there. Yeah, but now it's going to break 18 inches across the horizontal plane instead of 12. Okay. You still have to get it in the strike zone, and you give the, the batter a more time to be able to yep. adjust to that, the best hitters on earth. Sure, but can the pitchers now throw it in the strike zone? They're going to have to. There's, there's got to be. But what, 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 if, what if they can't? <laughs> well, that's what you got to figure out where that distance is that they can. I, I think that's well, I mean, the. They're only talking about moving it back a foot. Well, that might be enough. I don't know. That's that's why these uh, <laughs> these tests are important in the minor leagues because I think that's the only way to. Yeah, I mean, they're going to ban the shift. That's going to happen at some point. Um, and and that'll help some, I guess, getting more people on base. But uh, which I don't like from a competitive standpoint but every other sport changes their rules to make it more uh competitive or to make it more uh palatable for fans to watch every other sport does it baseball has you know been slow to do that and now we've gotten to a point where analytics has caused the game to be boring just flat boring um so they gotta do something i think that's the we're not gonna solve it today so let's move on to the next question comes from seth shaner seth asks what's the better wrong way to run a franchise Everything on the cheap, but when you need a player, you approve the move no matter what, how much it sets your future back, or act like you're all in until the first sign of trouble and then pull the plug. Seems like I've lived through both. Why can't my favorite team just try? Uh, no, there's, neither of those is better, in my opinion, Shane, uh, Seth, but um, the bigger question is, why, why can't my favorite team just try? Doug, why, why can't the Reds just try? I, I think that your piece in Cincinnati Magazine, how'd you like that plug, uh, expl- <laughs> explains it pretty well. They don't have to. Yeah, again, go read it. Go read it now and share it everywhere. I want to get those uh, numbers up. Share it on Facebook, um, the Twitters. Yeah, they don't have to. There's no reason to. They're not forced to. 
They can make money without doing it. It's a closed... American sports are a closed system where the owners have no incentive to win unless they just want to win. Unless they, it's an owner that just wants a trophy. Once, once you started making as much or more money on your television contract as you did on ticket sales, it was over. Yep. You no longer have an incentive to try because people are still going to watch on TV no matter what. Yep. They're not going to show up and buy tickets though no matter what. But since you don't need to sell thirty-five thousand seats every night to be profitable anymore, then you don't have to try. Yeah, I've, I've been. I haven't really hammered it that much. It's my kind of. My, it's kind of quiet, I guess. I've not really tried to talk about it that much. But you know, I'm boycotting uh, the Reds this year, but I'm still watching them <laughs> on TV every night, and they know that. Um, I'm still going to pay attention to them and talk about them and write about them. I have to I have to pay attention because I do write about them. We talk about them here, but um, I'm not going. I think I am going to probably go to an FC Cincinnati game if I don't go to Pittsburgh this weekend. I got to decide whether I want to watch, go see the new stadium, uh, or go to see Pittsburgh that I haven't. Uh, statement that I haven't seen before, but um, they don't have to. Yeah, and there's just uh, they don't care. They don't. They, like I said, they don't love you back. Go read it. We can't get into it. Chuck Nichols asked, "Hi, Doug and Chad." Two exclamation points there. Thank you, Chuck. Hi, Chuck. Yeah. Question for you: When will Red Lake Nation Radio start filming the weekly podcast and uploading it to you YouTube or a Facebook Live broadcast? You know, um, Doug, you'll probably remember this. I, I, and I've talked about this a few times here. At some point, I do want to do that, and I, and I uh, sent the question out to our regular uh, co-hosts and uh, to see whether they'd object to that. I got a one hundred percent positive response that yeah, we do that. So at some point, we really are. I, re- I really am going to start. I don't know. We'll do it by Zoom, or I don't know how we'll do it, but uh, I got to figure all that out. But uh, at some point, I think within the calendar year twenty twenty one. I'm planning to do that because you know, you know, the the kids they look at the the YouTubes, you know that right, Doug? I do. I I look at the YouTubes, and I'm not a kid. Well, if, if your if your podcast is on YouTube, I am like a thousand percent more likely to listen slash watch to your podcast. Is that true? That is absolutely true. Because I think a lot of people are like that. I don't do the podcast thing. I watch YouTube all the time, but I don't do the podcast thing there. I got my I got it on my phone, you know, my podcast app, and that's how I listen to my podcasts. But uh, when I'm driving and uh, so, but a lot of people tell me, wish we were on YouTube. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. Hmm. All right. So soon is the answer, Chuck. Soon. I got to figure out the, uh, got to figure all that out. Go set me up a channel here when we get finished today. Mike Perry. Oh, this might be a chance for me to pick a fight. I don't know. We'll see. Mike I hope Pe- not because Mike, Mike Perry is the name of a UFC fighter. You do not want to fight him. Hey, I went to a, an MMA fight this week. I saw that. I follow you on Instagram, Chad. I see Ooh, your things. Mike Perry was not there. That's probably good because I saw the arena you got that you were in, and he would hurt people that were there. Yeah, a buddy of mine was fighting. I remember you telling me the story about your buddy that fought. Oh. I, I I made the assumption that it was you were there to support him. Yes, I was. You know, his first fight, he ten seconds knocked the other guy out. It was great. Um, and uh, you know, we had fun that night. It wasn't. He didn't have as much fun. <laughs> he faced the guy that's. Uh, you know, twelve years younger than him, and getting ready to turn pro. It, it was it was tough. But anyway, Mike Perry, the member of our family, Mike Perry, not a UFC fighter, says, "Will we see Nicolado and Hunter Green make the team this year, and will they be in the bullpen or the starting rotation?" Doug, why don't you take this one? Will we see Nicolado and Hunter Green make the team this year, and will they be in that bullpen or the starting rotation? I'll say yes. We'll see both of them. Their role, I have no idea. Uh, I think that there are too many factors that go into that question. One, 
is the opportunity going to be there when the when the team feels that they're ready? I, I think that we're probably looking more second half. But again, you know, if guys keep getting hurt, uh, then you know they may not have a choice. And both of these guys are pitching very well right now for Double H Chattanooga. But you know they've got a combined, I think, thirty nine innings right now too. So like it's it's still very early. Um, but I, I think that yes, we're going to see them. The role it it, it really just depends. Um, one, when it is, I think that you know the, the team is wanting to protect everybody's arm, even the big league guys, uh, in terms of their workload. But more so, the younger guys like Nicodolo and Hunter Green, who they, they don't really have the same kind of base to build on as the guys that have been in professional baseball a lot longer. Uh, and so I think in the second half, those guys, even if they're still in the minors, are going to be monitored a little bit more. Uh, and so you know that that comes into play as ter- in terms of you know starter, reliever, whatever. Um, but I, I think that, you know, if they need them, say, closer to midseason rather than late season, the, the odds are a lot more likely we'll see them in the rotation. Um, but again, that's all an opportunity thing. If, you know, the Reds get things figured out pitching-wise as the season goes along, maybe that opportunity to be a starter isn't there. But those guys are, you know, ready to get their feet wet in the major leagues. And, you know, a lot of teams do bring their guys up as rookies and put them in the bullpen and let them pitch, you know, in two and three inning stints just to kind of get acclimated to the major leagues to know what to expect. And then, you know, in their cases, it also helps keep their workload in line and keep, but also keep them pitching throughout the season. Okay. Uh, a question that wasn't asked here, but I'm going to just yes or no. I want to know what your thoughts are. Will Lodolo and Green both be on the opening day roster next year? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, I, I think we're 70, 30 that, uh, that against both of them being on the team this year. That's my opinion. Um, just because I'm a cynic, uh, I'd say it's 70, 30 against, um, but one of them may be, um, neither of them of them may be, uh, but I'll, I'll I'm just gonna go ahead and say it and we're, we're running it short of time. So you really can't hammer me too hard on this. So if you're going to object to me, go ahead and do it quickly. But Nicola Dolo needs, uh, to be taken Jeff Hoffman's, uh, starting rotation spot. Today, Nick Lodolo, baby, put him in the rotation today. I mean, I I I'd give it to Tony Santion first, just because you know, he's also pitching incredibly well in AAA right now, and I, he's he's older. He's got more arm, more innings on his arm. Nick Lodolo has made three starts in his entire professional career that have gone past the fourth inning. Get out of here, Nick Lodolo's first round pick. Tony Santion was a second round pick. See. Uh-huh. He had a bunch of money too, and huh? he's 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 thrown hundreds of innings in Double A AA and Triple A, and some of them were bad. Nicoladolo's never bad. been bad. Nicoladolo walked four hitters in the fourth inning two starts oh. ago, so let's not get carried away. You're right; he had one bad inning in his professional yeah, career. That's, <laughs> that's, I, I'll concede the that, point. That's pretty, that's pretty accurate. He has had one <laughs> one entire one bad inning. Yeah, I'm pushing it a little bit. I agree. I know that. That's but. all right. You know, if, if they did it, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't be that upset. Like I'd be like, okay. I mean. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's not going to happen. But I, I would just because I'm. Listen, I'm, I'm completely insane. You, but you all know this. This is episode 377. If you haven't figured that out yet, you know no, what, that's, that's what are you on doing? him. I agree. Exactly. Kelly Buckner asks, "Haven't sent in a viewer mail question in a hot minute." It's not like something that kids say these days. How old are you, Kelly? Um, always listening, though, Chad. Thank you. Appreciate that. In previous years, there's been no one on this team I've been harder on than Tucker Barnhart. Boy, has he shut me up. Hats off to this guy right now. I know he's not putting up numbers like blast a lot. 
second Plastianos comment here. And Jesse Winker, last time I checked, he's top 10 in average among catchers with 120 plate appearance. I think he's seventh in OPS. I'm a huge, these are uh, four capital letters huge. Tyler Stevens, a fan, I think he's a future star. I'll agree with you on that one. After seeing some of the defensive struggles behind the plate Stevens has had, though, which I know will get so much better with experience. Yeah, I don't have any issues with that. Barnhart has shown me how much of a great all-around player he's become. I know you're in the Reds players group chat, Chad. Yeah, right. So could you send him a thumbs up and a tip of the cap from his biggest critic? And uh, he asks a question as well about Green and that we basically already answered. But um, just a brief second here to say, you know, Tucker Barnhart has, uh, his numbers have come back a little bit to earth, but my Goodness, how good has he been? And is it because he's just being left-handed now? You know, I don't know. That's probably a big part of it. But the glove, obviously. But he's been an above-average hitter. I mean, when you when you got a Gold Glover with an above-average hitter, that's a guy that's really, really valuable as a catcher. Uh, how excited are you about what we've seen from Tucker Barnard? And and I guess the question is uh, quickly because we're running out of time. But is it sustainable? Is he going to keep hitting like this? You you love the fact that he has hit like he has. But no, it's not sustainable. He's striking out 33% of the time, and his batting average on balls in play is 400. Uh, if that batting average on balls in play normalizes, he keeps striking out 33%, 33% of the time. He's a 200 hitter. God, what a wet I mean, blanket, that's just man. the math. What a wet blanket. I'm sorry. I, I said make it quick. <laughs> Tell your facts to shut up. Shut up. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. It probably can't. We've, we have a pretty big sample of what Tucker Barnard is as a hitter. I, I'm perfectly willing to concede that he's maybe somewhat better than what we've seen in the past. But even if he's just a slightly below average hitter, ultimately at the end of the season, yeah, that's a, that's a valuable guy. I think he and Stevenson are, you know, I think that that's a good combo and I like him. And, I, and at some point it's going to shift to where Stevenson's getting more of the plate appearances than Barnhart. And Barnhart's going to be one of the best backup catchers in the league, uh, I think. And so he's a guy that I like, I'd like for the rest to keep around for a long time. Second longest uh, serving red at this point. Did you know that Doug Gray? I did. Who's uh, who's number one? Joseph. Wrong. T.J. No. Antone. The answer we're looking for was T.J. You had me for a second. I was like, who the heck am I forgetting? Joey Votto, oh. one. Tucker Barnhart, two. Number three? Uh, Suarez? Eugenio Suarez. Have you heard the uh, the ad that uh, Suarez does on uh, on radio? I have. For, I don't know. I can't remember what company uh, it is now. Assuming, assuming it's the same one you're thinking of. I don't know, but it's a, it's an ad, and you, know, you hear him speaking, and you just you can see the smile on his face when he's speaking. Yeah. There's something about that guy. He's always smiling. That's, that's I mean, it's great. I love it. Oh, I wish he would hit better. John Majewski. John, don't call me Gary Majewski, asks... Do the struggles of the Reds pitching staff take any of the shine off Derek Johnson and the driveline partnership? And we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. And I just want to say it's a it's a completely reasonable question. The pitching has struggled. My answer, though, to me, and I'd like I'm interested to hear what you have to, th- to say about it, Doug. But my answer is an unqualified no. I, I think this this Derek Johnson, as I've already said, I give him a lock on contract, and that Kyle Bodie driveline thing, that to me is the key. For the next five years, I think that if the Reds are going to be anything the next five years, I think that's going to be one of the biggest reasons why. And I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on it. Well, they better sign both of them then, because I'm pretty sure that Kyle Booty's contract is up after this year. And I feel like you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you thought Derek Johnson's contract was up after this year. So uh, if that's going to be the thing that is a make or break for the Reds, they better get it figured out uh, and keep those guys around. But no, I I mean I don't think there's anything 
you know, that we can blame on Derek Johnson. I mean, what did the Reds do this offseason? They traded away a bunch of pitchers. They lost Trevor Bauer, and they brought in a bunch of guys on minor league contracts with hopes and prayers. And this is exactly what you would have expected to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the I key. Mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Luis Castillo has struggled. Let's, well, I mean, we, yeah, that's happened. But you know, Wade Miley's been really freaking good too, hasn't he? And TJ Antone, well, right? Well, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm going with the outliers here of what people did or didn't expect. I think we all expected TJ Antone to be good. He's probably been a little bit better than we expected. No, but, but I say that because Johnson Driveline they turned his career around, right? I mean, I think it's fair I'm, to say. I'm I'm not entirely sure that that's fair to say. Oh, it's fair, baby. Well, completely fair. I used to be a judge. I'm nothing but if not fair. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're basing it on the proper evidence. Hold on, hold on. That was my entire job. Well, Evaluating the your, evidence. Let's, let's hear your evidence here then, Judge. Oh, God. We've got too many. Uh, what, we got, what, we're running what, out of time. What, what, what made T.J. Antone go from what he was to what he is? Uh, a lot of velocity. Yeah. And he picked that up by swinging a baseball bat. Swinging a baseball bat? Yes. That's what T.J. Antone claims got his velocity from 91-92 to 100 miles an hour. I don't care what he claims. He's lying. It's Kyle some, Bodie. Some judge you are. Dude, I was a great judge. <laughs> what do you mean was? I'm not a Does judge anymore. you're not a good judge now? I mean, well, I know that you're not a judge. Not officially a judge anymore. Yeah. All right, anyway, whatever. We're, we're going yeah. to push that one off for a while, but no, I, I don't, I don't, I have no, no issues with Derek Johnson and, and driveline. I think it's the ultimate answer to that question, but it's a fair question to ask. I just think you bring, need bring, to... Bring them back, Bob. Bring them back. Yeah, really. Yeah, you got you got They have fewer pitchers this year than they had last year. Fewer good pitchers to work with. Charles Zollers asks, and this is going to be a quick one because uh, Doug doesn't care, and uh, no one actually that's listening right now cares. So Doug's with everybody else. But Charlie and I, uh, Charles and I, like to talk about uh, European football sometimes on uh, on the on our Slack channel. Since the Reds are tiring me out, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I want to continue on last week's Tottenham Hotspur edition. I did talk about Tottenham Hotspur, and also I don't want to keep you from reading my column this week but i got to mention tottenham and my favorite team in uh in my column for the first time but anyway who do you see as our next manager antonio conti mauricio pochettino or someone else come on you ted spurs lasso. ted lasso ted lasso that's, that's literally that's, that's the only soccer coach i know he did coach for tottenham did you see that uh, you remember that ad that's the, when he when ted lasso became a thing it was uh and that was the thing that's that's who he was the coach of yeah um uh, boy that's a good show that's a funny show ted lasso if you haven't seen that one um, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, the short answer here is it's got to be Pochettino. Charles, no one else cares that's listening right now, I'm sure. But And if you do, be sure to tweet me and let me know. But I keep seeing these rumors that Pochettino might be coming back, and it makes me excited. It'd be like if Sparky Anderson came back to uh, manage the Reds, although that'd be a lot spookier. Nathan Connor asks, Are the Reds really going to squander... Monster Seasons from Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. He spelled Castellanos' name correctly because Nathan Connor, he gets what it, he, he gets it here. He understands. Are they going to squander Monster Seasons from Winker and Castellanos? Uh, uh, the answer is probably yes, but I guess you can reframe that question as, man, how good have those two guys been? I mean, they're among the best hitters in the league, right? Yes, they are, and yes, they are. I mean, from day to day, I, I would go back and forth as to who's the best hitter on the team. Some days it looks like Winker. Some days it's Castellanos. Castellanos how, about, how, how about this, Chad? Nick Castellanos is the best hitter. Jesse Winker is the best batter. Because hitting implies hitting the ball. And Castellanos might be a little bit better at that. But Winker gets the walks with the hitting. Therefore, he might be the best batter. It 
it's true. I, I like that. I can handle that formulation. But I also have to say, Castellanos has been a lot better than I thought about. You know, not chasing and, and taking a walk when it was presented to him this year. Um, this has been a difficult year. A lot of injuries. The Reds have not have been good at some at points, not good at some other points. But watching those two guys on a daily basis, it's been a joy. It's been it's been a real joy. I mean, they got vital level numbers at this point. And, and that we've not seen for a while. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, if I had to guess, they're both all-stars. You would you would hope so. We if not, I feel like there needs to be some sort of investigation. Well, they could, you know, they could, you know. Well, sure, if they, they, they fall off. Like, right. You know, if you were to have, you know, an all-star team based on what's happened through May 27th at 5.52 p.m., yeah, they, they both deserve to be all-stars. Uh, this is one of my favorite conversations every uh, midseason is the, the all-star team. And so those two are obvious. Who else is an all-star on this team? Anyone else right now? T.J. Antone. Very quickly. T.J. Antone's the guy I was going to say. Yeah, T.J. Antone. You know, I, I might. I could be convinced on, uh, you know, Miley or Molly. Those are two different players, if you don't understand my pronunciation. <laughs> but uh, I think I think T.J. Antone's an all-star. Gosh, he's good. And that beard, it's glorious. That's a separate all-star. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, good question, Nathan. Um Last question, not la- next to last question, comes from Rich Thompson. And uh, Rich, I thought you were my buddy. But uh, he begins by saying this, I offer apologies up front to you, Chad, but these questions are for Doug. <laughs> right in the heart. I know, right? It hurts. Um, however, I do have another question for you based on a real-life Red story I think you'll enjoy possibly for another show. I hope so, at least. Anyway, Doug, by all accounts, you're one of the most one of the foremost experts on the MLB draft and minor league baseball. What about that, Doug? I mean, I don't know about the draft part, but uh, minor league baseball, I, I, I can accept that. Certainly Reds minor league baseball, without a question. Um, now, with that said, please share your thoughts on these questions. Number one, in your years of covering the MLB draft, who is your top player that you project would be an impact MLB player that other national pundits panned? Is there somebody that, since you've covered the uh, the Reds draft, certainly, was there any player, for the Reds or anywhere, anyone else, that you thought would be an impact MLB player that other national pundits panned? Anybody you can think of off the top of your head? No, but I'll tell you the one I was completely wrong on, Tim Lincecum. I just he walked so many hitters in college. I just the, the, even with the stuff that he had, I just didn't think he'd throw enough strikes. And yeah, yeah I'm an idiot. So yeah, that goofy that? that goofy motion. But uh, he drank a little, or he uh, he 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 smoked a lot of the uh, left-handed cigarettes. I think, and that helped well, him. You're, you're allowed to do that once you're on the forty, man. Exactly. All right. Hey, San Francisco, whatever. Hey. Now, second question. Let's reverse the scenario. Which former draft you were once high on ultimately turned out to be a less than memorable, unremarkable movie player or bust? Well, you kind of answered that one, I guess. But is there a red that you were really high on that turned out to not really work out? I mean, a lot of the pitchers. Let's yeah. let's be honest. Between injuries that took away some guys. I mean, Nick Howard and Nick Travieso, I, I Both of those guys were big league pitchers in my mind. And then, you know, Travieso blew his shoulder out and he came back throwing 83 miles per hour. That's not going to work. And that's not that's nothing on him. It just that happens sometimes, um, and it's it's unfortunate. But then yeah. you've got guys like I mean, heck, Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett. I mean, think of all the the young pitchers that the Reds were banking their rebuild on. Tyler Malley's the only one that's still starting. Yep, yep. So there's a bunch of them. Good, uh, good question. Last one from uh, from Rich is this: Based on what little you know about me. If we ever did convene to play a Red Leg Nation, Reds minor league softball game, where would you have me on your draft board? Where do you have Rich Thompson on your draft board? 
third round. I think he. I think he'd be a quality defensive shortstop who could make contact. There we go. I'll take it. All right. Um, last, it's not really a question, but uh, we're going to end on this one. This comes from our buddy Joey Gaditza from up there in in Canada. Joey says this, hey guys, is there any other family better to be a part of than Red Leg Nation? I think not. Cheers to Risco, Risto gang. Let me explain that, and this is how I want to end the show today. I've been thinking a lot about how to how to end this show, and um, there is not a, another family uh, better to be part of than our family. You know, we've we've had a week in our Slack channel, and uh, uh, because one of our family members has. Uh, has had a rough couple weeks here. And that's Risto Neely, who has asked questions here many times on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but he's had a, he had a really serious, uh, serious health event. And, and his wife reached out to, uh, to Joey and to the Slack family just because, we, uh, this, this podcast was such a part of his life and talking to us on that Slack channel was so much of a part of his life. And, and, um, and it's not looking good for our buddy Risto. And he was a, he, he's, he was the old guy, you know, in the, in the group, he was a veteran and, a, and a, a, just one of the most interesting guys. And he really got a kick out of talking to, you know, we got guys from, you know, 19 years old to in, in their seventies in our, in our Patreon family. And, uh, and Risto just loved uh, talking to, uh, to everybody. And, um, you know, we're trying to, I don't know. I'm going to get emotional here because Risto was such a such a genuinely nice guy. You never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. He loved John Wayne movies. He loved uh, he loved any kind of World War II movie. He was just he was he got excited every time the numbers bumped up in our in our Slack channel when somebody else joined our Patreon family. He, he used to point it out every single time because it, it, he really loved the fact that the family was growing and um and so we send best wishes out to him and to his family and I and I know it's a, it's a rough time and. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Just uh, we love you, we love you, Risto, and appreciate everything you brought to this podcast and and brought to our family because we really are a uh, we we it's a you know it's a it's become I, I've used the term family over the last you know several months because that's what it's starting to feel like here this this Patreon crowd and and not just Patreon but the, you know, on Twitter everybody that, that, that listens to us and, and reaches out to us I'm just uh, I'm humbled I'm uh, uh, you know just uh, I, I love all I love all of you and. Uh, and so, so best wishes out to our buddy, out to our buddy Risto. Um, you know, if you're, if you're having a beverage tonight, raise your glass up and, uh, to Risto. All right, Doug, that was a kind of a downer to end it, but, uh, any final thoughts about the Cincinnati Reds, uh, that you have for us? Or we, have we pretty much beaten that to death? Oh, we beat it to death. As usual, as usual. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 377. Feel free to uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast, Evan, and, and maybe soon on uh, on the YouTubes. Uh, if you if you want to follow uh, Doug on uh, on Twitter, he's at DougDirt24. I'm at DotsonC. Don't follow me. I'm a garbage follow. Uh, we're at Red Leg Radio. Um, you can also check in on uh, the Reds every single day at Red Leg Nation dot com where we're uh where doug and, and and all of us are covering the reds as well as we can also reds minor leagues.com go there check out everything that's that, that's going on in the minor leagues and we actually have minor leagues this year so there's a lot of fun stuff that, that that doug's reporting on over there doug appreciate you joining me again buddy it's always fun always good for doug gray and risto neely this is chad dotson saying so long everyone Go.
Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.